Well, good morning. It is good to see everyone today. You know, I've always loved and appreciated the church, whatever church I was a part of. You know, from the time I first gave my life to Christ in, the, in July of 78, I've always loved and appreciated the church. And then, you know, I also learned to then love and appreciate the church I grew up in, even though I didn't know the Lord at that time. There were so many things that the Lord did for me um, then, but I, I, does this help? I appreciate you, Dell. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, how's that? Just cover your eyes, Dell. <laughs> but if you fall asleep, I'll have somebody wake you up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've always loved and looked forward to worshiping with the church family. And, you know, even when I'm out of town, if I'm on vacation or if I'm at a conference or something, and sometimes I'll visit places that you know, um, and, and worship with them and enjoy them. But, you know, I always, always anticipate and love coming home here and worshiping with the church family that I know and that I love. And that's, you know, um, um, and this past year, it's after this past year, it's even become more true. Uh, uh, so um, it is truly good to see everyone here and to worship with you. Today, we're in week two of our new series called Stay Positive. And it's not a series about just learning how to think good thoughts and, you know, positive, you know, deny the reality of situations and all that. What it is, it's it, we're talking about how we can maintain a positive outlook while in the midst of difficult times and circumstances. That can be hard to do. Would you agree? Because we are all affected by our surroundings. It's, it's hard to stay positive when we live in a world that is so negative all the time. I mean, that's it's, it's the way it is. We're surrounded by negative reports we're surrounded by negative people at work. And, well, not me. I have positive people at work all the time. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you know, we're surrounded by, you know, there's Internet trolls. There's those that comment on, on news articles. And, you know, you, you can't read too much of that. Uh, it's all around us. So negativity is all around us. And it's nearly impossible to be affected by it. Have you ever gone into a restaurant and after leaving there, you leave and, or, or after eating there, you leave and you find you smell like the restaurant. Have you ever found that true? There was, remember Chi-Chi's? You know, I tell you, anytime I ever went to Chi-Chi's, I would walk out of there and, and you know, anybody could tell where I had lunch. You know, because it just picks something up from there. I, you know, I when I was in high school, like many other kids my age, I worked a fast food restaurant. All right, Burger Chef. How many Burger Chef fans do we have? How many remember? Remember the works bar where you could make the sandwich yourself, put everything on it that you wanted, not what came on it. Plus, you know, because they had the the stuff right out in the dining room, and and uh, just little trade secret, we put the best lettuce the freshest lettuce, the freshest tomatoes, and nicest looking everything 
out in the dining room for those that wanted to fix it. Because who wants to put brown lettuce on there? Not that we ever did. But, you know, um, anyway, when I worked, <laughs> I wish they would come back. When I there, worked there, um, I'd work the back line for a few hours and especially the deep fryer. And when I got off of work, I would smell like French fry grease. No kidding. I mean, my clothes, it permeated the air. And since I was surrounded by it, it permeated my clothing. It permeated me, you know, my skin, everything. All I could do to get rid of it was go home, take a shower and change clothes. Otherwise, I'd walk around smelling like, and not fresh French fries. I'd smell like old French fries all day long. And who wants to smell like that? Uh, that's what it's like living in a culture that's filled with negativity. Sometimes you just can't avoid it affecting you. And you can't pretend that it's not there. Instead, what we have to do is regularly cleanse ourselves and shed the smell of negativity. And I like to call this attitude maintenance. Attitude maintenance, one of the primary indicators that it's time to do attitude maintenance, at least in my life that I've found, is when I find myself starting to complain more and more frequently. When I find myself, well, there's, this isn't right, and that isn't right, and there's something wrong with this and with that, and this is going on, this. When I find myself getting that place where I'm just beginning to complain more and more, I need attitude maintenance. The more we find ourselves complaining about our circumstances, our situation, about everything going on around us, it only guarantees that we're going to be miserable. It also indicates our culture is affecting us and it's time to do some attitude maintenance. Attitude maintenance for complaining the attitude maintenance for complaining is to cultivate gratitude. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude is what will help us to cleanse ourselves, to shed ourselves of an attitude of complaining. Proverbs 15, 13 says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. Gratitude is what cultivate, cultivates in you a glad heart. Complaining is what cultivates in you a sorrow of heart. I mean, think about it. Have you ever looked in a mirror when you're in the middle of complaining and thought, now that's a cheerful face. I'm, I'm so glad. I think I'm going to find something else to complain about. It makes me so happy. I mean, other than the fact that sometimes we get pleasure out of being miserable. You ever been there? You know, other than that, you know, I mean, really complaining does make us miserable. And, and you know, we don't want that. It, it, it's ridiculous. We complain because we're not happy. And then complaining reinforces our misery. Chronic complaining is an indication of a sick heart. And for a sick heart, we need a cure. And the cure for complaining is gratitude. And before you dismiss this as being too simplistic, to be of any practical value, consider this. Studies show that cultivating an attitude of gratitude is actually good, not just for our emotional health, but our physical health as well. According to uh, an article in Psychology Today, 
on from April 3rd, 2015, the following is a list of seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. Gratitude, first of all, opens the door to more relationships. I mean, think about it. People like to be around somebody that's grateful all the time, just thankful for everything, for everything. People like to be around people of gratitude. So it, it opens the door to more relationships. Second, gratitude improves physical health because it helps relieve the stress in our lives. It helps melt that away so it improves our physical health because when we're stressed out, it, it takes a toll on our body when we're stressed out all the time. Third, gratitude improves psychological health, you know, because it reduces and removes anxiety from our hearts. Fourth, gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Number five, gratitude helps you sleep better. Number six, gratitude improves self-esteem. And seventh, gratitude increases mental strength. Every one of us could benefit by learning to be more grateful for the blessings we have in our lives and by learning to be to, comp to complain less. Gratitude, it, it, it's, it's like a miracle drug that has absolutely zero negative uh, uh, side effects. You know, you get a drug that, you know, you take some medicine that, that, that works and, you know, it helps lower your blood pressure or helps with this condition or that condition. But then there's a long list of legal disclaimers that are all, you know, could cause this, could cause, it, cause this, could cause death, could cause, you know, paralysis, could call the, you know, and they, they, the benefits are printed real big, but then those side effects are like really little. Well, you know, gratitude is like a miracle drug that has none of those side effects. The fine print says zero side effects at all. There is no downside to it. No downside to cultivating gratitude in our lives. Now, I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians. Uh, but as we, before we get to that, I want us to remember something. I want us to remember the Apostle Paul and remember that this is the guy who we talked about last week who had been through so much trouble. And for, for, for those that, that weren't here last week and also for the rest of us, just as a kind of remembrance, a, a reminder, in case you weren't here, here's a list of some of the experiences Paul went through. He was in prison. He'd been flogged and been exposed to death again and again. Five times he received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, he says. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day in the open sea. He was constantly on the move, in danger from rivers, from bandits, from his fellow Jews, from Gentiles. He was in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, and in danger from false believers. He labored and toiled, often went without sleep. He knew hunger and thirst and often went without food. He knew what it was to be cold and naked, and he daily felt the pressure of his concern for all the churches. Those are all in 2 Corinthians. We looked at them last week, and with that in mind, it's a long list, but I want to refresh your memory because as we read from Philippians, we need to keep in mind all of those things that we just, that we just read off, all of those things, all of that happened before he wrote the letter to Philippians. 
okay, before he wrote the letter to the, to the believers of Philippi. So after all of that happens, because 2 Corinthians was written first, so after all of that happens, he finds himself in prison again, and he writes this in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Paul wants to make sure that we understand him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of his trials, while sitting in prison again, when, when things just, you know, when, when things aren't easy, he tells us to rejoice. And then he says, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to emphasize it again because I really want everybody to get this. Rejoice. Whatever we're going through, we can choose to rejoice in the midst of it. If Paul did it, we can do it. Then he says in verse 5, Let your reasonable, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, the NIV says it like this. The Lord is near. There's two ways that we can understand this. On the one hand, this is a reference to what theologians call the parousia, speaking of the second coming, the Lord's return, that the Lord's return is near. The Lord is, you know, when he, when he comes back and makes everything right. You see, believers in the New Testament lived with the expectation that the Lord's return was imminent. In other words, it could happen at any moment, so be ready. And that's how we are to live our lives today, knowing that the Lord could return at any moment. And when he does, he will bring justice and all the wrongs will be made right so we can, we can rejoice in that. But there's also another sense, equally as true, in which we can understand this. And that is the Lord is at hand, meaning nearby. He's not far away. So in our present trials, in our present struggles, in our present suffering, we can call on him because he's close at hand. When we pray, he can help us. He can give us strength to face the things we're facing and to go through the things that we're going through. So then Paul continues so that, you know, the, the thought is because of the nearness of the Lord, then he says in verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What Paul says here is key. We need prayer and supplication. God wants us to come to him and ask him for help. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to bring our needs. He wants us to ask for help and, and bring him our needs. But it matters how we ask him. Because like anything else, there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. When we come to God with our requests, we are to come with an attitude of thanksgiving in our hearts. Always. An attitude of thanksgiving. Here, let me give you three quick things to remember about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, one, requires that we remember, and this isn't on the outline, but thanksgiving requires that we remember. It requires that we remember what God has done in the past 
and that we truly appreciate what he has already done for us. You see, we quickly forget the things that we take for granted. And we long remember the things we truly appreciate. So remember. Second, thanksgiving, in order to really be thanksgiving, should be vocalized. Giving words to our appreciation shows that we're truly thankful. We truly appreciate something that has been done for us or something that has been given to us. We truly appreciate it, and, and, and giving voice to that shows that. It, it expresses that. And the third thing, thanksgiving always focuses on what is positive and not what is wrong. It is impossible to have an attitude of thanksgiving and to complain at the same time. You just can't do it. If you are complaining, you don't have an attitude of thanksgiving. If you're thanking God, you're not complaining. One focuses on what's right and the other focuses on what is wrong. It's impossible to do both at the same time. So if you wanna break a habit of, uh, of complaining, then work on cultivating an attitude of gratitude in your life. If you do, you will find yourself a whole lot happier and a whole lot less miserable. And as, when, as, as Paul says, when you approach God with an attitude uh, or with a thankful attitude, rather than just a list of demands, how many of us have done that? We've gone to God, God, okay, God, I need you this, 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 and this. Here's my list, do it. You ever do that? Maybe not quite like do it, but sometimes that's our attitude. But when we approach God with, with, with an, a, a true attitude of, of thanksgiving, you'll find an increase of peace in your life, an increase of peace in your heart. The circumstances around you may not get any more peaceful. In fact, sometimes they just get worse and ramp up but they don't have the effect on you that they had before because inside there's the peace of the Lord that transcends and allows us to, to rise above our circumstances. Just pay attention sometime. When things aren't going right and you find yourself beginning to complain, take a quick self-check you won't find peace there. You'll find your relationships will start to suffer. Your physical health will begin to deteriorate. Your psychological health will begin to suffer. Your mental health, you'll have more trouble sleeping. All the benefits of gratitude that we talked about earlier today, they'll begin to suffer. They'll begin to decrease. They'll begin to disappear the more we start to complain. But on the other hand, here's the good news. When your life is filled with gratitude, when your prayer life is filled with thanksgiving and your heart is filled with thanksgiving to God, your life will be filled. Your, 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 not your circumstances so much, but your spirit, your heart, inside you will be filled 
with an incredible peace because gratitude is the gateway to peace. It's a gateway to peace. It's how we enter in. That's how your life becomes filled with peace in spite of whatever else is going on around you. I was talking with someone recently who had been through their share of tough times. They had had one lung removed. Now they were battling cancer. They were as thin as could be, and I mean as skinny as a rail, and they had just gained 40 pounds. And that was just the beginning of the, the, the struggles they had been through. Addicted to uh, uh, prescription meds because of the surgery and everything else. They had plenty of reason to complain. And yet, as I talked to them, I found my spirit being lifted up. I found my spirit being encouraged and, and, and the joy just rising up because as I talked to them, there was nothing but peace and joy as they talked and as they shared. And do you know why? It's because they had learned the secret of living a grateful life. In all the time they were, sh they were sharing their story, the things they'd been through, there wasn't, there wasn't a hint of a complaint for any of it. There was nothing but gratitude for the good things in their life. All of us have good things in our lives. Whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle is, all of us have good things in our lives, plenty of them. Sometimes we just need to change out our glasses and look through a different lens with a different heart to be able to see them. I don't want to, I want to encourage you. Look for the good things. Look for what you have to be grateful for. Make a list of them, literally write it down and hang on to that list. And when you feel complaining start to creep up, because we all do at times, right? When you feel that beginning to come in, just stop and pause and take out that list and start thanking God for everything on it. And I would say get as many things down as you can. Get a hundred, get more. Everything on it and just start thanking God. The big things, the little things. Take your eyes off of the things that are dragging you down and put them on the one who lifts you up. And you will find tremendous, and I mean tremendous change in your life. I'd like to have the worship team come back up. On the top of your list should be the fact that God wants a relationship with you. And he's provided a way so that that could happen. And that's what we're commemorating as we take communion together. And by the way, if you haven't had a chance to get the uh, communion cups yet, go ahead and, and get one. Um, and uh, make sure you have it. Because that's what we're commemorating. God wanted a relationship with you so much that he sent his son Jesus to lay down his life 
for you so that that relationship could be established. Could somebody bring me a cup too? I put them out there, but I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I put them out there, but I didn't uh, get one myself. Yeah, I'm prepared, aren't I? <laughs> I'm thankful for someone like Jeff to bring me a cup. <sighs> Jesus laid down his life so that we could have life. If you don't have that, if you've never received that gift, then just tell the Lord you want it right now. It just means this. You're going to turn from living your old life and living life for him. You're going to receive his forgiveness and walk with him. And your relationship with him is going to be based not on what you do, but based on what he did. And then he went to the cross, he died, was buried, and then he rose from the dead. And if you believe that, you can have relationship with him. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, now he wasn't there for the Last Supper. He wasn't there when this took place, but the Lord appeared to him and gave him this instruction. The Lord appeared to him and, and gave this to him. So he says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. So he received it directly from the Lord after, after he, he uh, gave his life to Christ. He received this directly from him. He says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, said this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take it as a remembrance of his blood that was shed. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the ultimate sacrifice that you paid for us. We thank you for going to the cross for us because your body was broken and your blood was poured out. We have forgiveness of sin. We have relationship with you. And because you rose from the dead, we can walk in resurrection power and in resurrection life. And that is something that the things going on around us, the, the, the things in our lives cannot take away and cannot diminish. And we couldn't do this ourselves, Lord. You had to do it for us. 
So all we can say, the only thing that makes sense to say is thank you. Thank you for loving us. And because you first loved us in this manner, we say, we love you. We bless you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship one more song. Now prepare your hearts for the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. And the Lord be ever so gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Receive that in your hearts today. Amen. Amen. On your way out, remind you if you brought your tithes and offerings to put them in one of the black boxes by the door. Uh, if you give online, there's the web address or mail a check to the post office box. The address is up there. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Your faithfulness allows us to continue uh, the ministry here. God bless you. Go out and have a great, not just a good week, go out and have a great week in him. You're dismissed.